0: hello this is fam Electric ghost we have the dead Coats on the line
1: hey what's up
0: hey so i just want to do a little intro this is the fam Electric ghost show we've been interviewing indie artists worldwide since 2018 we're part of spotify anchor fm is part of the spotify family and we love to interview indie bands from around the world and this is uh the dead Coats, and you're on descent records and this is um your their their first act right is that the case
1: yeah um so um I'm in the dead coats and yeah i i, I do event coordinating for descent records mm-hmm. um but so it's the first show um that the label is
0: throwing cool so uh, so one you guys are from austin and you're you describe yourselves as a grungy punky rock and roll band that, <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, um, me. So it's actually a funny story. Me and uh, the guitarist Josh, we were actually from Baltimore, Maryland, and um, about five years ago, we wanted to like try to play music somewhere like out of the hood, you know, and have a new life pretty much for ourselves. And so we chose Austin because it was like the music capital of the world. So we're assuming that you know we can't go wrong going where there's a whole bunch of music and it's known for its music. Yeah, the
0: big scene there.
1: Yeah, and it's funny, like, South By just was canceled today, so it's really wild here.
0: So is that going to be a big problem? I mean, I I know that's a lot of bands look forward to that, just like Coachella. It looks like all the big festivals. It looks like this whole coronavirus is going to, like, put the kibosh on, like, tons of music festivals. (laughs) Yeah. Like worldwide, worldwide, I think like worldwide they're being canceled. Acts are canceling their Asian and European tours, like right and left.
1: It's it's an intense climate out there. It's it's weird. You feel like you're living kind of in a revolution right now, like with all the crazy stuff going on. And then now we have this virus that you know everyone's kind of freaking out about. Which you know for good measure. Yeah. Um, but I know it's like interesting because in the underground scene with. You know, in, in Austin, there's thousands of bands. So not everyone gets the South by official mm-hmm. showcases. So all of the underground venues and all the underground bands, like we're still having our shows. Like yeah, we're so still,
0: you're, you're still working. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. It's like we still don't get a break, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's cool that you guys are still able to, to gig because, like, what I found is like I've been on like an internet, I mean, I've done shows in Boston and in New York City. Well, I'm kind of, I do Facebook live shows for my home studio. And then I do this podcast so I can talk to people worldwide. So I've kind of embraced, you know, modern technology at, as an act um, to kind of get my music out there between using SoundCloud. And I'm on a record label in New York, but yeah, I'm an indie guy. You know, I, I have a punk aesthetic, so I like bands like, like yours. Can you guys remind me a little bit of Sonic Youth and Who's and Replacements? Oh and, uh, yeah. So, That's I mean, funny. I,
1: well, I grew not.
0: up. To <laughs> I, I grew up like in the bands like that. I mean, I, the punk aesthetic is in my electronic music if you listen to it. But yeah, I mean, I I think that anybody, any 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 time you come at something like a Trent Reznor or you come at it like a Bob Mold or or do something that has a little bit of uh, you know Joy Division in it, that it's always going to have like, that kind of punk attitude, whether you're electronic or actual real you know punk hardcore band, you know, which is cool. Cause like I said, I'm a frustrated guitar player as a keyboardist. So I try to bring <laughs> that kind of edge into my music. So I, I appreciate bands that can do that.
1: I, I've always said that like, to me, like punk rock is like an attitude and that, you know, it could, you can play whatever the fuck it is, but you're going to be, you know, punk if you have this attitude and you don't have to look some type of way. You just are, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, it's like the way I think the, to me, it's the honesty. If you think about Kurt Cobain, In Nirvana, the reason people really uh, like gravitated to him, compared to the hair metal bands that had been going on, he had this honesty about what he was doing, and and he he was just a pure artist. He just wanted to do, you know, and ended up kind of coming out as grunge punk, but it was just an honest, you know, honesty in in the way he approached things. And I think that's the thing about punk is like you you're, you're you're showing who you are. You're not trying to put any airs on. It's like you're being you you know and 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 to think that kind of comes through in the music
1: yeah yeah totally I mean um it's just crazy to me that like uh you know there's so many different scenes and stuff but I mean there's always like a lot of elitism and a lot of different you know scenes and when I feel like when you're authentic with your music and who you are Um, the audience will know that and usually like, you know, stay and love you and follow you. And, you know, and that's how you have to grow. And I feel like every day, you know, it's like becoming more and more um, like more of myself every, you know, every day it's like a constant
0: movement. Yeah. I think, I mean, people, you know, you look at the bigger bands and there's always this mythology and, you know, I grew up liking progressive bands because I'm a I'm a synth head, you know. So I like bands like Yes and Genesis, And there's a lot of overhead in those bands. But I liked what they were doing because it's was like, like jazz. You know, I'm into Sun Ra. I'm into Coltrane. So, like, if you're a keyboardist, you kind of gravitate toward things that might be a little, like, maybe heady <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. But because, like, you're trying to do complicated things, you know, whether it's jazz or classical or, or fusion or whatever, it, it kind of gravitate to bands that do that. Um, whether they have they're pompous or whatever. And sometimes, you know, the bands like Yes and stuff became rather pompous, like Pink Floyd's of the world. But I still appreciated, you know, the progressive nature of their music in terms of like how it was constructed. And just yeah. just the, the level of effort. But regardless, like a, a punk band still has this kind of gravity to it gets down to the bones of of the music and you get to that, you know, whether you're a three piece or a four piece or a five piece band. It just feels, you know, authentic, but let's, let's get into the questions. Cool. So like, when did you first get into music and at what age?
1: I think I've, I think about like eight years old, um, is when I really was like, I really want to play in a band. Uh, and that's like right when I found like the Beatles, I, got into the Beatles really hard and I only had like two of their albums and, uh, so i like would like just listen to it on my cd player like all the time um
0: which ones did you have
1: i had rubber soul and revolver and those then every good, those are good to have <laughs> yeah and i think that's like started the basis for like my love of music i wanted live music and i wanted to like do more like i i like ended up in theater doing like musicals i played piano when i was like a kid i did Orchestra, like for a long time, I just love listening to music and finding new things to try out.
0: <laughs> so you like the Lennon Lennon McCartney, like songcraft, the way they put songs together, because they were like pop geniuses, you know, in terms of the structure. They they kind of created the whole album format with Sergeant Pepper, and the whole idea, you know, prior to that, bands were just doing singles and maybe had collections that were singles, but then when they started doing things like Rubber Soul, started to introduce kind of like a Sgt. Pepper idea, but the idea that you could have an album that had a theme, you know, is, is kind of like, that's how the whole late 60s through the 70s into the 80s bands, everybody name checks the Beatles. Like you start, regardless of what genre you're in, you know, it just seems to be like a standard bearer. Yeah.
1: See, I, I always, like, I've been always a bigger fan of, like, the, like, uh, later Beatles, you know, yeah. I felt like... I Abbey, Abbey Road, you know, yeah. White Album stuff. And Sergeant Peppers and stuff. I just, I was connected more, like, I feel like emotionally to their songs and, like, I, you know, they, they're all catchy, but some of them are, like, not as, like, they're more, like weird and bizarre
0: and yeah it how kind of play. started like the progressive stuff that bands like yes and pink Floyd went into when you get to like abbey road and the white album you start getting compositions that aren't just trying to be hits they're they're being very creative and because they had the platform of the world they could afford to experiment um, yeah. and everybody would listen to it but they were pushing the envelope of what you could do in pop music which is really cool because it actually set you know the kind of template for other bands that came along after to say, Hey, yeah, we can push it, you know? And I think that's what the cool thing about those compositions, like the, the changes, the, the record, you know, they're, they're, they're in different keys. They are actually different songs strung together. Um, that, that kind of innovation, you hadn't really seen in pop music, you know? So I think that's kind of like why everybody loves them. But
1: Well, their story too, like, I've always um, felt like the underdog and a lot of the time, like, you know, um, and, and the Beatles have that same type of story, you know, they're all pretty much nobodies, you know, in Liverpool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, playing, know, in Berlin. <laughs> playing in Berlin bars, getting like, like bottles thrown at them.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, they should have never been famous. Like they had the odds stacked against them, but you know, some weird stroke of fate and, you know, they're on the, in the, you know, like bigger than Jesus, you
0: know? <laughs> yeah. Well, when you get, you, you run into a guy like George Martin, they'd like this magical producer that made them push, you know, they were like the original boy band. When the Beatles started, they were like the boy band. They were, they were like a poppy boy band doing kind of 50 Elvis Presley kind of inspired stuff that, you know, that might not really go anywhere if you don't develop it. And the fact that they got with George Martin and they started experimenting really heavy in all kinds of directions with, you know, like George Harrison getting into all this mysticism and then Ringo having that, this kind of pop sensibility, but being a really core drummer. And then Lennon McCarty just, just going off in, in different directions. And Paul's this melodic sense is just unbelievable. But like, Lennon just had this experimental thing he was doing. And so it's just the combination of that, like I'm into all types of music, but I still like, I really get tied into the Beatles all the time. And almost, it's really interesting because, like, I've been interviewing people for since 2018, and I would say 75% of the bands I talk to name check the Beatles. And it's still, you know, and this is like the next, (laughs) we're into 2020 (laughs) and people are still talking about the Beatles. (laughs) Uh, I mean, that shows their like, you know,
1: commitment to music and, you know, their longevity they exist still now, like, you know, in everyone's minds.
0: Yeah. If you're going to write music, you kind of got to look at like what, what's there, you know, in terms of like what the reference points are. And, you know, everybody will point to the Beatles. I, I, I as, as a keyboardist, I'll go into jazz. I'll go into like Sun Ra and Coltrane and Davis and stuff like that. But the Beatles, everybody knows who they are. Um, not everybody knows who Sun Ra is. They might not listen to any Davis or anything like that, but yeah, it just it, the standard bearers in any genre kind of drive things going forward, and yeah. you know, that's the way it goes. But so, you've been working on music like we started early, and you, you, you learned you, you can write on a piano. What do you play now?
1: So, I'm the lead singer, and so I'm mostly focused on singing and being the front person, okay. um, you know, so rolling your
0: vocals or your instrument.
1: Yeah, literally, and I'd say my I say as a vocalist, your body is your instrument, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah. But do you still like use like instruments to write your parts when you're working on things? Oh yeah, yeah. You typically, I, yeah.
1: yeah, I totally. Um, I, I write riffs and stuff on my guitar, and like mostly like I just find lyrical patterns and stuff, mm-hmm. things that I think sound cool, you know, poetry, and then usually. I like I bring those to practice and like I have like a little journal and then Josh who, our guitarist he usually comes with a riff or um, an idea mm. or or like our basses will or you know and the drummer sometimes comes with like a, a beat like faith um, so it really depends on the song I, I'd say that we jam a decent bit, like every practice
0: so you physically get together like a traditional like rock and roll band like what people you know three-piece four-piece five-piece what in the old days before the dog, every band mm-hmm. you know to write a song they actually were in a garage or a basement or in a record recording studio and they kind of just jammed and maybe people brought things to the to the to the you know ideas that they had but the the combination of everybody getting together that actually creates the songs is that how you guys write do you write kind of like an old school yeah way?
1: Yeah, we. I feel like we've always been a very old school band. Um, you know, we're we're a four piece. We don't really want to be like too crazy and have like a million instruments. You know, like we want to keep it to that that
0: special formula in a way. Yeah, like like you know, I'm a big fan of the Who. You know, because I think they were the original punks. If you listen to early Who, mm-hmm. um, but this the raw nature of like having those four personalities together, and what you can do when you kind of go off. And then come back together. Yeah, like the whole idea. Exactly. of Who was is they? They were individually kind of all crazy, going off in different directions, but somehow they were able to keep it together. And that's why they kind of have this punk aesthetic. But but I think like it's interesting that you guys are old school because so many bands today. I've talked to bands that look like like a traditional four you know piece or three piece unit, but they record everything on the doll, you know, and and then it kind of yeah. loses that kind of raw nature you know it doesn't sound like the stooges it doesn't sound like the clash it doesn't have that kind of edge and when i listen to your music i hear like you know i hear sonic youth which is really you know you don't think that that stuff's not written on a dog (laughs) You you know it's actually played with heart and power and i hear that with what you guys did i've been listening to your stuff on um nice the song, the nice. album, yeah. I, I really, I, I love, I grew up like, you know, listening to college radio and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I grew up when, you know, who's to do had like Zen arcade and, you know, new day rising and stuff like that. That's, that's kind of where I came from <laughs> mm-hmm. listening to music and you guys brought me back to that, which I don't really <laughs> hear a lot of bands. They that, that, that kick off like that now, nowadays, maybe where you are, there's a yeah. lot of bands doing that, but they're not really breaking through um
1: i think i think we're like i don't know like i'd say like you know we have like punk attitude and like sensibilities to a, like a lot of different genres of like music you know we have songs that are kind of more like metally and then we have songs that are like a straight up punk song or like a a blues song mm-hmm. or you know so it's like we're like we kind of call ourselves a party band mm-hmm. more than like or like a rock and roll band because you know, we have so much going on, and it's like hard to be like, you know, yeah. we're going to play the single genre. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. saying
0: When I look at like a punk band, like I think Cruz Cadu and and the class showed that, you know, within traditional punk music, you can kind of go off. You know, the class had Sandinista, you know, they had Combat Rock. Yeah. They, they didn't just do punk, they went off and did Caribbean rhythms, they did reggae rhythms, they did some rap type of rhythms. So it's like, if you're, like, if you could be labeled as a punk band, but you can be more than that, you know? Yeah, exactly. you guys are kind of, like, I would say, like, The Clash. You guys are are mixed in multiple genres. You got that punk aesthetic, but but you're not just, like, the Ramones. You're not just doing the same thing. You know? Yeah. Which is cool. I, yeah,
1: yeah, I think my biggest, like, issue with even the punk uh, genre name is that, like, I look at some punk bands here that you know, or mostly all doing the same thing. And I, you know, it's like, I feel like we're a little bit more beginning punk, like before it even was named, you know, that. Well, you get to like, like
0: post-punk, if you look at like a band like New Order or Joy Division, are, are kind of like, they were more than just punk. If you, if you listen to Joy Division or New Order, yeah. I mean, Joy Division became New Order, which became one of the biggest synth wave new romantic bands ever. But they started kind of in a punky place in Joy Division. But Joy Division still had like new wave aspects where it was punk, but it was new wave too. It had like a strange, like sparseness to the sound. It had like a Berlin, Brian Eno kind of thing going on with punk feeling, which I think it's the punk aesthetic is probably the best way to say something. You can have a punk aesthetic, but you can be cross genre.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So that's cool. Um, and I do hear that in your music. Um, so like one of the questions you asked, like when did you realize you had a talent for music that made you want to write your own material? Because there's lots of musicians that, that can play and you know, become session musicians or work in orchestras or they do covers, but they don't ever write their own music. What made you feel like you had some, something inside do you want to write your own stuff? I, i've always wanted to do my own
1: like i we used covers to like really learn how to like even play music as a band mm-hmm. in a band setting but i mean i think that everyone feels always like an imposter like that their music's never good enough in a way but you just keep writing and stuff because it's like this need to get you know the inside of you out like um like how you feel and like to me I like like Patty Smith a lot like uh like I was in like like musicals and stuff and you know I would write poetry and I'd you know practice with my shitty band um, and just try to get as much of that like you know those feelings and things out
0: yeah it's like it's a there's a difference like when you meet creative people or creatives there's something about it like they're gonna write they're gonna keep on producing whether they become the next you know big thing or not because it's inside of them you know yeah i've I've been playing since i was like 15 and i'm in my 50s i didn't get i didn't get signed to a label till like last year but i just kept on playing because i love to play and i love to write and like i i knew people when i was 17 and they played in the garage and then they said well it's not working so they stopped and so I think the, the, true, the people who have that creative drive, they never stop. You know, they don't think of it as like a phase. When I was 18, I was in a phase and I'm done now. They continue to write just because they love to write.
1: Because it's a part of who you are. Like, and, you know, like it's anyone's hobby or whatever. Like, it, but in a
0: way, it's like, it's, you know, a coping mechanism and yeah. so much more. Yeah. I mean, I find myself, I work things out in my music, you know, if and the thing is like jazz and, and, you know, blues, it doesn't matter. Jazz guys and blues guys keep on playing till they die. <laughs> it's yeah. not based on like a look that you're only in a young person's game. If you play jazz or you play, you know, something that's a little like that, it doesn't matter. You could have gray hair. You could be overweight. It doesn't, you know, you could be whatever. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter. Like you're trying to be the next like thing. You're, it's it's the it's the music, you know. So that's you. you just, so that's that's kind of aesthetic I'm into. Is like it, it doesn't. I don't have to. It doesn't have to be a young person's game. It, you can just do it because you feel it. Um, yeah, which is cool. But um, so when you um you were talking about the Beatles and and um, some other bands, but I always ask the question like, who are your influences and reference points in your music?
1: Totally. I think that for me, my big influences have, you know, been the Beatles, John Lennon, but Patti Smith a lot, mm. Joan Jett. Um, it's funny, moving here, we ended up like friends with people that were friends with like the Butthole Surfers
0: and oh, stuff. Oh, so I love them, SST. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's like really interesting because I'm I've learned so much about like, you know, uh, like like seventies and eighties punk here, and you know. Like um, really got into like the big boys and like the dicks. What mm-hmm. about the Black and... Flag? Black Flag, you. You've...
0: Yeah, I like Black yeah, Flag yeah, too. Like yeah. I, I grew up with, a, you know, before I got into Who's to Do, I was listening to Bajo Surfers and and um, <laughs> and Black Flag, and uh, yeah, I, then then I just like I loved Grant Hart and Bob Moe because they they kind of brought this power punk. They had this melodic I don't know if you ever listened to Who's to do but they got a melodic sensibility Ooh, yeah. that that's really rare in a punk band um, it, they kind of called it power punk because they had this kind of power pop kind of bad finger Beto aspect to it even though it's punk um, so it's that punk aesthetic again where it's kind of you know their albums kind of aren't typical in their composition they're very they're all over the place mm-hmm. in terms of their structure which is cool. But, um, so, so your writing style or genre, you said you're basically in, in your description, you've talked about how you're kind of grungy, punky, rock and roll.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So it's kind of like cross genre. And so would you want to elaborate more?
1: Uh, like I said, we're kind of a, like a party band, you know, we, you know, we have our music and that's a big part of us, but the stage banter and like you know what our shows can be like you know we're like parties like everyone's dancing and having fun and you know we we're saying a bunch of ridiculous funny things on stage like um we're a little bit off kilter like we always are stirring up trouble I feel like kind of (laughs) like a like
0: a Johnny Rotten kind of edge
1: (laughs) maybe a little bit (laughs) like we're more like like happy-go-lucky and fun but we're not like destructive
0: people not like early Who, were they like trashing the stage and blowing up their instruments. <laughs> uh, not yet.
1: Maybe if we had a lot of money.
0: Yeah, well, they didn't even have money when they did that. <laughs> yeah. They kind of blew. They kind of blew through their budget, creating this mystique. <laughs> and, and they didn't start making money till they kind of hit Tommy, but um, but before that they were kind of blowing through their budget. Like, and I think I saw some documentary that uh, Pete Townsend. Asked the tour manager after they did a tour, like early tour in like '67 or something. Okay, what's the profit? It's like well, there is no profit. You guys blew everything, blowing up the instruments. I <laughs> <laughs> showed. It's like no, we're actually in a negative territory. <laughs> oh my god!
1: Yeah, I know everyone wishes they could have like a Coke budget, like Black Sabbath, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, Ozzy. Yeah, yeah. Those guys, are, these guys were really burning through it, <laughs> but um. Yeah, so like one of the things I like to talk about also is um, like how you record. I think we already kind of touched that. You're kind of old school, though. So do you use like even though you're a punk band and you kind of record live, I'm I'm assuming you still probably use a digital audio workstation in some way to even capture that, but maybe more live. How 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 do you record?
1: Um, so like usually, um, we go to our friend at a I forget his. I think it's Electric Factory or something mm-hmm. studios we go to Jason Richards and he he actually used to be um the basis for Rocky Erickson before Rocky passed and mm-hmm. um but he's really cool and we also like Saba Sounds but I I know he has like a really big I
0: don't know mixing board I don't oh. necessarily know Oh yeah, specifics <laughs> yeah he's probably well some people use analog boards and nowadays some people have boards and they're tied to a DAW and everything gets put you know eventually everything it gets to a DAW in some way that in order to get it onto Spotify or anything you have to turn it into some kind of digital format <laughs> but but you know a lot of bands that play acoustic instruments like to get recorded in an analog fashion to like real analog tape and some bands know about whether that they're doing that or not but you don't necessarily you can still capture like a punk aesthetic and get it on to like pro logic or something it doesn't matter but you know we just asked this question if people were into that because some people like to get into the details but you know those tend to be bands that are kind of heavily involved in that stuff so if you're not our our drummer is
1: like a is like she went to recording school. Mm -hmm. So she's the one that would know all of those specifics. I like manage us like pretty much. Okay.
0: That's cool. I mean, sometimes we ask those questions if people online can get there, go there because, you know, (laughs) because a lot of people do like, I'm a bedroom producer. I have a home studio and I, I kind of use a dollist structure. I I don't use a doll because I want to capture kind of raw power and I'm using analog sense. And, I don't use plugins. I don't use, like, Macs. I take real Roland's and Mogues and capture what I feel, like, as a keyboardist, Um, which is kind of old school. It's kind of what you're doing. Totally. Um, But, yeah, and I think there's a lot of people who want to go that way now. There's more and more bands saying, yeah, the DAW is cool, but it makes things sound too perfect. And then you lose... I think some of the, the nature of the old, the music that we grew up with is the fact that bands kind of had happy accidents, you know, and, and, and if you try to use computers to pitch correct and correct the BPM and put everything on the grid and make it perfect, it sounds great, but is that what music is supposed to sound like? Yeah.
1: I think, I think <laughs> it, perfection. So a
0: little more humanity. to Yeah.
1: It. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I don't really like perfection in music. Um, You know, I I like things to be weird and like a little bit of a screw. Um,
0: Yeah, I think it's better if you actually do it. Like sometimes if you do a bunch of takes, right, and you're you're a perfectionist and you do like 10 takes of a track, you go back to the first three and it might actually have a little error or you you did a little hiccup or something in it. But the honesty of that early recording is better than what you did 10 10, 10 versions down the line. And sometimes you got to have the guts to like, I'm gonna pick the one that's a little more raw because it it, it actually has more honesty or there's something about it. Even though I think I made it better, sometimes when you the, the, the act of trying to make something better actually ruins it.
1: Yeah, it's all about <laughs> conviction, you know, in your voice, yeah. especially like feeling that, like having a very emotional performance is so like you know about live performance and you know in the studio.
0: But sometimes what happens if you like why I've talked to bands, it's like by the time if you keep on trying to do a song, right, you kind of start losing the the initial impact of the first versions. And you know, you can cut and splice things together, but sometimes it's like it's the initial honesty of what you're doing. And sometimes what happens you even censor Because it's like, oh, I told I I, I revealed a little too much or it's a little too you're kind of scared of being that honest and then people start you know, covering it up or changing it to to not really reflect what it was. And I think the great artist and you know, we get like a guy like Neil Young. Neil Young has some really awesome recordings where he decided with Crazy Horse, he's like I'm going to keep it as raw and as honest as possible. And like get an album like Tonight's Tonight, which is so raw and honest. It's like not a lot of artists will put something out like yeah. You know, and I think that's what I'm kind of getting at. But I think you you understand what I'm saying. Oh, right? totally. But um, so you 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 play live. You talked about it, your live show is kind of like the key to your 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 whole persona as a band, yeah. right? You're you believe that like, your live performance is even more like a, like who you are than what's on record. Uh, I'm sorry, my like phone just cut out. It's some. Sort. What I'm saying is, like, some bands, like, The Who, like, they were known for their live performance more than even studio recordings, that people would, like, say, well, The Who was one of the greatest live bands ever. So would you say that your presence on stage, your stage presence, actually is more about what your band is about than what's on record?
1: Partly. I'd say that, like, that's a big, uh, the, the live performance is, like, a big factor in our, you know, who we are and, like, and and probably mostly like we're really fun live, um, whereas like I feel like our albums we have we break it down to be a little bit different and you know really focus in on what we want on there and you know we have songs that we don't play all the time on there too like on our albums. Mm-hmm. So when we do play them, it's kind they're like, like, like kind yeah. of special. Like I I like play violin and stuff on this song rituals we have like live and it's really cool. <laughs>
0: That's interesting because there's a lot, you know, another good band as an example uh, as a live act is like the Dead. The Grateful Dead, the Dead had followed them all around because, like, even though you did a dead album, like, the way you would experience the Dead is actually go to a dead concert, you know, because the Grateful Dead, they just had like, it was an experience. Yeah. Um, and so it's like some bands, like you can go listen to the record, then you know, American Beauty, that's a great album. But like to see the Dead live was the way to see the Dead, to experience the Dead. I mean, that's just the way. <laughs> or a band like Parliament Funkadelic, yeah. yeah, to see Parliament P Funk at their their height, doing the Mothership Connection with the spaceship coming down, there's nothing like that. <laughs> well, I feel like we, like After- we live in a society that. <laughs>
1: you can listen to albums like continuously forever you know like there's so much new music that you're able to have access to now that a band's live per- performance is usually where i want to experience like music because like mm-hmm. you know i could sit here and listen to albums all day but you know and experience like so much more but i feel like the live performance is more where the emotion lies and know where the like experience is and when you remember a band
0: so what do you think about bands that um you know try to replicate their record so much that they sound kind of note for note on stage because they're so tied to like their sequencers or they're so tied to using like uh you know some kind of daw on stage and so everything's kind of like I can understand it if you've got dancers and you've got people who are like, you know, part of an act and you're kind of locked in to do it the same way. But what I find is that, you know, I'm I'm a guy that likes to go see a band like the Allman Brothers or The Dead or P Funk. Or I used to see Prince play live and the whole idea of those bands is like every time you saw this they played something, they didn't play it the, the same way they did it on the record. You know, you, you actually wanted to hear them do it different than the record. Yeah. Um but it seems like there's a generation of music fans that want to hear something exactly the way it's on the record. <laughs> I think there's like parts you can change because like fans do like, like to
1: sing your lyrics and like to know what's happening. Cause you know, that's another part of the experience. But I think that like having, you know, guitar solos and stuff that, you know, changes every time is like an essential part of your music, you know, and like some things need to be like similar, you know, like everyone gets kind of bored with like a complete jam song, like, Most of the time, like not every band can really go off on a jam and make it sound really good.
0: Yeah, not everybody's the Allman Brothers or P-Funk or Prince. They're not going to be able to cut it. (laughs) But, but, you know, and I understand people want to hear the hook, you know, and this is where you get the age of the EDM and hip hop, like artists that are able to replicate Mm -hmm. exactly what they're doing. Uh, And they might go off on their lyrics or change things up but a lot of it is kind of t- locked in. Um, and so when I see a band like you, you're kind of still kind of running an old, not old, but like in the seventies, eighties aesthetic of, of 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 the fact that you can go on stage and it'll be the song, but you can kind of change it up. You're not locked into running off a sequencer or running off a dog. Cause you're actually playing.
1: And you can add more to it. Like, you know, there's like, talking like in a set you know sometimes adding little ad-libs here and there and then stuff happens yeah. like this guy has like grabbed my hand and like put it in his mouth on stage before and you know just weird shit happens at a live thing and your music will always be a little bit different like too fast or too slow or you know
0: yeah well if you're a band that's actually playing like acoustic instruments you're more likely to have that kind of feel rather than if you're on a CDJ dj like edm you know kind of structure where you're kind of locked into the light show you're locked into what the dancers are doing you're kind of on a trap and there's a lot of bands that are on these traps and they're kind of locked i in. think
1: it's just unfortunate to like be stuck in that you know like i feel like it would kind of suck because <laughs> you know it's just little
0: well, it then becomes like very mechanical, and you're kind of servicing like it, it becomes like a job instead of a passion. You know, to me it's like, okay, well, we've got to make sure the show is the show, and it's like you know, if you do a Broadway show, you got to stay within a certain structure. I can understand that, and if they, they, these shows are getting kind of run by musical directors that are locking it in, like a, like a, like an orchestra, I mean, you're stuck. And this, I think sometimes that takes the life out of it. There was an old story about the Eagles that during the Hotel California concerts, Don Henley uh, and, and um, uh, his partner, Glenn uh, Fry, they kind of said every time they played stuff from Hotel California, they had to play it note for note exactly as it was on the record. And they would find the band if they didn't. Damn. And it, and it kind of took the life out of the concerts and everybody kind of got into their drug abuse because they weren't happy because they were playing the shows, but they were like, it, they weren't able to be free. And it made everybody in the band like miserable. <laughs> I, so like you can kind of cause your own hell.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. I've always felt like, you know, anybody can play notes on a page exactly the same in a way, like over and over again, but it's like where that emotion lies. You know, that makes a difference. Like, you're, you know, no one wants to feel like they're just like, you know, just doing the same thing over and over again
0: without. It's like you're a session musician paid to do something exactly the way they want it. And then you kind of can't have any fun, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, I don't think everybody wants to be that session musician that's locked into what's on the page, you know? <laughs> They, they want to be able to elaborate and improvise and feel passion, you know, about their music. Yeah. So so you guys are continuing to do live shows and you have some new live shows because kind of this new kickoff coming yeah, up. Yeah, we
1: do. We have like that and we have like a list of like, you know, eight shows for like the South by Time. And uh, a lot of cool stuff is always happening in Austin, so... Uh, but we're trying to, we also are getting out of town and going to Corpus in April, um, which is like the Gulf of Mexico. And mm-hmm. uh, we're planning a tour in like probably August time. We'll be out out of here. Uh, and we're, I think.
0: So you're going to go beyond Texas? You're going to go to other states? Yeah,
1: we're, we're thinking about going, you know, either East Coast or West Coast. We did West Coast already once. So. We were thinking of going East Coast because, you know, we haven't been all the way up there yet.
0: Don't you try, like, New York? Yeah, probably. Um, Bo- Will you hit Boston or just, like, New York? Oh,
1: I'd, I'd probably try to hit both, like, go up all the way. Um, I've actually been, like, further up the West Coast than I ever did, like, the East Coast. Like, So I I'd really like the experience, you know, going further than New York City.
0: Yeah, it's like the New York scene and the Boston scene are probably, like, some of the better scenes in, in this area. Like, we tend not to have as great a scene beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, you know, I'm from New Hampshire, and there's really no good scene here. So I got to go to Boston and New Philly York. Philly has a good to, scene to in, in, like, uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, if you go there. But, like, if you, you get to, like, like where I am in New England, Boston's, like, the primary area. And then, like, all the other New England states, they're really not – I mean, Connecticut has a couple places, but they're not really hot that hot. Uh, You know, New York is a lot hotter. Like, if you go to to Connecticut, you might as well just, like, skip Connecticut and go right to New York. It makes sense. (laughs) Um, But – so what do you think about collaborating with other genres, like, with, like, jazz or hip-hop or EDM or trance or any other – genre have you thought about working with other artists that a lot of times people do features but sometimes like within the kind of music you're doing features usually don't work yeah in the same way
1: i i mean i definitely have i i would be really down to you know collaborate with more artists and create more things um i've done like r&b and stuff a little bit um cool. uh like my cousins play like folk music and Oh no! I, I try to. I like to do new things, and I feel like I have a really good range for vocalists. Like I can most of the time successfully sing most types of genres.
0: Um,
1: like you know. Yeah.
0: So you would think about like working with like other other bands to like you know baby feature or 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 work you know bring something to a in a different yeah. project other than what you're with the day coach. That's yeah. Cool. Um. So, what what are your thoughts on on the future of music? Cause, like, we're on you know we're on Spotify right now. We're we're in this kind of streaming revolution where everybody has access, but then the other side of that is, you know, not everybody's getting the compensation that you got twenty years ago. But then maybe you wouldn't have got signed twenty years ago. Um, so, so what, what do you think of those kind of competing, you know, tensions in the industry?
1: Uh, it's, it's a rough industry sometimes. Like, it's very, like, you, you don't really get a lot of validation for all the things that you do, you know, and especially in Austin, where there's like thousands of bands here, you know, we're technically all competing for, you know, the same opportunities. But, you know, I try to, like, try not to think of music like a competition, because I feel like it'll just make you, like, dissatisfied and, you know, really kind of upset um because it you know like i said i've always felt like the underdog like it's easy to get discouraged because you know people that haven't been in a scene very long or you know there's like factors like you know who they know and um like how much money they have and their parents have and you know like like socioeconomic yeah, yeah. factors that like really affect the perf- like the where most bands get to you know
0: Yeah, it's like the payola thing. It's like it's like it's it's like it's all. We're in a capitalist system, so like if somebody comes in with that edge, like who they know and who they got the money to pay, they can get you know to the top of the line, to the front Mm -hmm. of the line before somebody who's been paying their dues. You know, just it's kind of like the way it works. But um, but and it's disappointing, but you know you do it because you you believe in it. Yeah. Thank and
1: because know. we're the underdog, like because like, you know, I'm from the hood, I should have never gone out of Baltimore, you know, and, you know, I feel like that is like our edge, you know, what makes you different, what makes you more, you know, mm-hmm. like, like giving yeah. up things for your love of music, and for the need to play it, you know, that makes you have yeah. like a different connection to it and makes you, you know, sometimes a little bit more authentic
0: to your audience you know yeah i think that that honesty in the music because you're not like not that people pose but some people have stage personas you know like bowie had a persona that worked and it wasn't pretentious i mean just kind of he was theatrical and he was able to kind of push through with that kind of thing and then there's people like kurt cobain where it's like that's he's not you know he's not zicky stardust he's like that he's kurt yeah you know and there's not anything wrong with what what Bowie did. Bowie was a genius uh, in that way, but Kurt was a genius just in being who he was. Um, and so it's like different different ways that you can present yourself um, in music, and you know you can be honest in in that in different ways. Um, so it's uh, it's it's really interesting to me because I think part of the issue I have with some of the, the what's going on today is just this you know. This just an example I always tell people, like, kids are willing to spend $50 on an Xbox game, but they won't spend money to buy music from a yeah. band. Yeah, with streaming and
1: everything, <laughs> and
0: too. Like, yeah, so it's like before Napster, if you loved a band, you bought their CD, you bought their vinyl. Now, if you love a band, it's like you stream, but you don't buy their music. You know, if you really love a band, you probably will buy a vinyl. You might buy the merch. You might do it, but because of these streaming services, and you know, it's it's one it, it gets you out there, but then you don't get the conversation that, that you you would have got, you know, twenty years ago when when you had to get music from a record store. Is the only well, way. Well, I get,
1: think that you know. also, like you know, you know, as as the industry's changed. You know, we have to develop new ways to think about, you know, these problems, you know, so people aren't buying your CDs, but they're streaming your music. So they're still listening to it. So that's a positive, but we need to be investing more into merch and, you know, having more live shows because that's what's going to make you more successful and make more money. People don't buy CDs. That's fine. You know, at least they're listening to your music.
0: Yeah, I mean what I find is if I go to New York and I have like some vinyl that I had a deal where I could bring like vinyl on yeah. my record. Or like like my own home C D stuff that I had burned, you know, created. So if I go in and bring that with t shirts and merch, I can make more money with that than I ever make in my on my Spotify. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's they, kinda like you have to run your own business. You kinda gotta run it. Old school. I mean, mean, that's what the dead used to do. I mean, that's what a lot of old bands, they they used to kind of, you know, run. They made more money touring, you know. A lot of bands always made more money touring. It's just the way it is. Well, it's like, you know, selling, you know,
1: like even your your records at shows wasn't always done. Like, you know, Joan Jett was like, you know, kind of a pioneer because um, her music wasn't like sold in like stores at first they didn't you know she would didn't have a major label or anything like in doing it herself and selling <laughs> shit out of the back of her car,
0: yeah, like the hip hop crowd has been doing that for a while, but yeah they, like yeah, you have to kind of find new ways to do it, you know there's there's people doing like uh you know dumb drives <laughs> <laughs> now, now there's like thumb drives you can have like artwork done on and then create a package around it that has like looks like a vinyl, but it has like liner notes and there's all kinds of new things you can do. So you always have to look at what's going on. You know, can you present your music in a different way? You know, I'm, I'm an electronic musician. So I look at sync licensing and, and because I can, you know, write compositions and stuff on my sense, I can actually compose things for video games and advertising and stuff like that. Um, so I can make a different income stream. And you might not even know that my music is yeah. out there. um it's just different ways of doing it That you do it because you love it but you also find ways that you can make money at it you know that you feel comfortable with um and just there's lots of opportunities in different ways to do things so i think it gets you out there it's kind of like the new radio Mm -hmm. i think the streaming services are kind of like the college radio or the radio station of the old days kind of gets you out there to the audience, and then you gotta go and do the show
1: yeah i i I always prefer people just to come out to my shows and you know support when they can whatever way they can
0: so so you have a brand new album for twenty twenty coming we out?
1: we do we're we're about to record it we haven't uh actually even talked about what we're gonna name it yet, but we have the songs for it, and uh that's really exciting. Um, we I don't know where we're gonna record it yet,
0: but um, that's cool. we love to have bands come on. If you've listened to our broadcast, we've had a lot of the bands we've talked to come on like two, three times. And one thing we like to do is when you have a new album, we like to do album release episodes where we kind of talk about every song on the. Oh, I love that. So once once so yeah so once you have that for 2020, you got it all firmed up and ready to come out. You can get back to us and we can do like a release party show, where we could talk about each song and what you know what the inspiration is behind each one and all that. That stuff. would
1: be really so, great. I know that the rest of them would love that. Um, they weren't able to come tonight because everyone was working. But
0: yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Like if we could do that and have the rest of the people in the band, that'd be great. And um, yeah, we, it's cool to talk to a single focus. I've done this before with a lot of singer-songwriters and leaders of bands. Sometimes we just get one member of the band, but then we get a really good conversation. through really clear. Because um, uh, sometimes you have multiple people on, it's kind it gets a little confused. But yeah, it's not bad either way. But it's cool to talk to you. And this, this episode is going to go out tonight within the next cool. hour. It will be on um... 11 different podcast platforms including spotify and apple music along with anchor fm and uh, there's integration between uh, anchor fm and spotify and instagram and facebook and so we will be able to put uh, facebook stories and instagram stories on our site and you should be able to as awesome. well awesome. so we will do that on our um, expansive sound and Josephine electric um sites because that's you know i'm a musician myself and on my pages we push these episodes so the josephine electric uh instagram will push this episode and expansive sound experiments will also push it and the fam electric ghost on facebook will push it well that sounds great we just like to remind everybody that we do this for free but we are uh, have the ability to get um, uh, supporters on our podcast. So if you want to support this podcast, and you like the fact that we do these long form interviews with bands across the world. We've talked to bands in Berlin, Australia, Japan. Uh, we're t- getting ready to talk to a band in Seoul, Korea tomorrow morning. Um, so like, if you like what we're doing, please uh, become a supporter of the podcast. There's no uh, requirement, but it would be cool if you would. So thank you for being on the show and everybody go out and check out the dead Coach on all the streaming services. We're going to have your link to your, your, all your websites on this podcast. Um, so we will include. Thank you hyperlinks. so much. Thank you very much for being on the show. And yeah, have you a too. Great night.